Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo right there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. everyone and welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and back in person with me for the first time in a solid month is Sam Chung. Hello Marissa. It's uh, it's nice to be like back in the studio. I can't say it's nice to be back in Massachusetts because it's so cold <laughs> and I don't think you really understand like the the temperature in my parents' house just like defaulted to seventy eight degrees in uh, in Florida, and so the fact that your house is routinely sixty eight degrees is a is a big shock to the system. And it's uh, I I think I'm slowly develop like if there was a way to develop like hypothermia just slowly over time, <laughs> I think that's what's been happening to me. You are so dramatic, and you say this as if you did not grow up in Massachusetts and spend the first 18 years of your life here and then the next seven in New York. Like, this is not new. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready to leave cold weather forever. We don't need to get into how our base temperatures are wildly different. <laughs> I know. Mine is correct and yours is broken. <laughs> No, no. Okay. So Sam believes that if it's under like 80 degrees, it's cold. And that's just patently false. Not patently false. It's, uh, it's the correct, it's just correct. I, I, there's no, really no other way to say it. Whereas I am like a nice 65 to 75 degrees is my peak. Fair enough. Marissa, I'd just like to give a quick uh, shout out to one of our listeners, Ashley, who sent us a Lizzie McGuire game. I thought that you had answered her message, but it looks like you didn't. I realize now that you can actually in Facebook assign conversations to different people. Maybe I should have assigned this to you um, because there's no way I would ever succeed at a Lizzie McGuire game. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've watched all these episodes now. Not even all. I've watched what? Like. 80% of these episodes one time and most of them were so bad they went in in one eye and out I, I guess this doesn't really work with eyes but the, <laughs> in, one, in eye. one eye and out the other um but you can use ears sure all these episodes that all the bad episodes anyways went in one ear out the other so I feel like you would be much more likely to succeed at this Lizzie McGuire game that Ashley has sent along yes and Oh my gosh, I'm just so bad at answering DMs, quite frankly, because I did check out this website and I did, I do this thing where like, I think I answered someone and I, I answer them in my head and then I don't like actually execute it. So delayed reaction here, but I did check out this site and it's super fun and yeah, I mean, I played the matching game from it. I believe there are two games now, mm -hmm. um, but I played the matching game where you have to match like different quotes or 
phrases from the show with who said it. It's pretty fun. Well, there you go. So that's... And there are levels, and it levels up. Ooh. Yeah. Did it ever get too hard for you? For me, nah. For you, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I never professed that I was going to be good at it. So, you know, I know I know my strengths. Um, but yeah, thank you, Ashley, for sending that along. For anybody who's interested in those games, uh, the URL is www.lizzy.games. So that's easy enough to remember, I think. And Ashley, I apologize that Marissa did not respond to you, even though she thought that she did. In fairness, when I was in Florida, I would send her a text message and, you know, <laughs> if I got a response the same day, it was a good day. <laughs> so. I mean, fair. Yeah. Um, Marissa, we're recording this on Sunday night, uh, actually post Grammys. You've been watching the Grammys for the past three and a half hours. Uh, any quick reactions to this year's Grammy Awards? Yes. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is not a reaction. Bruno Mars is a person. <laughs> no, that's my reaction. Bruno Mars. That was your reaction after the Super Bowl show, which yes. was fine when he did it. No, 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 no. <laughs> and you missed it because you were watching you were watching basketball. There was like this debut performance of Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock's new group called Silk Sonic. And just like Ooh, like it was like chef's kiss. It was so good. And Bruno Mars also did a Little Richard tribute. I'm just saying everybody sleeps on Bruno Mars. I will never forgive the way that I was dragged through the mud. I think like seven years ago on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to continue to be dragged for, for this hot take now. No, it's it's literally not a hot take. It is a hot Anderson Pac is the more exciting part of that duo. No, no. 100%. Don't even get me started on why Bruno Mars and I will is never one come of down. the best Boom. male <laughs> vocalists in the last 10 years. Come on. Everything he puts out is a bop. It is a jam. And yes, I do stand by the fact that I thought at the time when he did the Super Bowl halftime show, it was like the best Super Bowl halftime show <laughs> in literal years. I, I remember this and I, I still so, disagree. I got so years and years dragged. later. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was like year one into our relationship. So I think yeah. it was the 2014 Super Bowl. I know. I really questioned everything that Super Bowl. <laughs> well, not enough apparently not enough <laughs> yeah oh my gosh though he was so good of course um taylor swift just looked like a majestic fairy in the woods hearing august live for the first time really just was what i needed and love me some dua lipa mm-hmm yeah, I mean, at the time of recording this, it like still wasn't over. I watched it for three and a half hours, and then I was like, okay, we need to record this podcast. So I came downstairs, but I did stick it through the BTS performance, and I mean, it was great. It wasn't even their best performance of Dynamite, though. I mean, BTS is, uh, they're, they're, so, they're so on point. Now, if we could just like get beyond Dynamite... <laughs> The true BTS stands were beyond dynamite. This is for the casuals. No, I know. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that it was better than the Golden Globes. I'll give it that. But that was a really low bar to clear. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> I love Trevor much. Noah, and I will follow him wherever he goes. I mean, Trevor Noah was just there so they could push Paramount+. Plus. Yeah. 
<laughs> Which is so the funny. The only reason he was there. <laughs> you would think that at this point, by this point, my parents would understand what Paramount Plus is, but they are still like Paramount Plus. How, how is that possible? Like They watch made so it, much CBS. They've made it so clear that CBS All Access is now Paramount Plus. They had everybody climb a mountain. It was like <laughs> the only ad they played during the Super Bowl, which your dad was Definitely very attuned watched. to for Tom Brady. <laughs> and... The fa- like how how this how, it's no secret that Paramount Plus is is the old CBS All Access. It's just that's my, that blows my mind. Something is just not clicking with the olds, and the olds are like CBS's target demo. So yeah, but I don't think they're Paramount Plus. Well, actually, no, I take that back because you know what happened when I was in Florida. There, the big push on Paramount Plus currently is that Real World reunion in New York, the Real World New York reunion. And when my mom saw that promo, she was like, I watched the real world. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do you recognize any of these people? And she was like, yeah, I do. And I was like, I, it sounds like you you might be into what Paramount Plus is offering you. Because <laughs> the you people know, that are going to care about a real world reunion from the cast of 1992's The Real World New York <laughs> is my mom's demographic. Yeah. I mean, I actually did see that extended preview of the real world New York after they played it after the challenge one week. And I was like, damn, this is riveting. But obviously the real world New York aired before we were born. So we have not seen. Uh, well, now we can. But now we can. Paramount Plus. This podcast is not in any way affiliated with <laughs> no. Paramount Plus. I wish. I mean, <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, would not say no. But yeah, I just feel like the real world is such a like interesting relic, like just like such a time capsule of the early 90s, which is an era that I am personally just fascinated by. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. Also, we got back into our Marvel rewatch. We did. This week. Yes. With Iron Man 2, which I did like better than Iron Man 1. But I also just like hate Pepper Potts so much. It's probably irrational how much I dislike Pepper Potts. You better watch out or an exploding <laughs> candle's going to get sent here. And then what are we going to do? I don't know. You have to clean that mess up. It's just like they did Peggy Carter so dirty in Captain America. And then we just have to see so much Pepper Potts. Oh, yeah. Pe- Peggy Carter basically never going to show up again. I mean, obviously she will show up again. But like. Pepper Potts, you better get used to her. You're going to be seeing a lot of her. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gwyneth will be here forever. I guess I just have to live with it. But it is fun to just like direct my energy toward one character that I extremely dislike. And you would think that with the first appearance of Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson, that would have been her role for me because of my own personal Scar Joe feelings. <laughs> but alas, Pepper Potts wins out. The feelings, the feelings between her and Tony only get deeper from here. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. At the end when he saves her and I was just yelling, die. <laughs> so mean. So mean to Pepper Potts. <laughs> She's just this lady trying to take care of this man who's so bad at taking care of himself. And, Ugh. you know. I love me a tortured antihero. So I am a big, I am a big Tony Stark fan. He is Iron Man. He is Iron Man. And I'm so excited that Thor is up next. Love me some Chris Hemsworth. Cannot wait. 
I didn't realize you were such a big Chris Hemsworth fan. I honestly thought you were a bigger Liam Hemsworth fan. Why? Because he was Gale in the Hunger Games. That's exactly why. Yes. <laughs> and in the in the last song, opposite Miley Cyrus. Oh, I didn't even remember that one. Oh but my sure. god, that was what put Liam on the map. That movie was devastating, and it was the beginning of Miley and Liam's love story. It's <laughs> now over. That is, yeah, that is now over. <laughs> Um, what a roller coaster that was. Although, you know what's not over, I saw today, is A-Rod and J-Lo. Yeah, what is Apparently, that was fake news. Well, not so much fake, so much as, like, they're working on it. Sure. Supposedly. Allegedly. Last note, uh, this is coming to you post-daylight saving time. A lot of people tend to get ill around daylight saving time because their circadian rhythm is thrown off. I personally hate daylight saving time. (laughs) And that's just my annual daylight saving time <laughs> rant. I feel like I did this on the podcast last year. If we if we are magically find content to go another year with Lizzie McGuire, I'll mention it again a year from now. I hate daylight saving time. It can go die. You know, when you started that rant, it really did sound like you were about to like promote something. It sounded like I was going to promote <laughs> what? No, I don't know. It just sounded like the beginning of an ad where you're like, you know, this is a time of year where people get ill. Therefore, I have a product for you. The product is my hate. That's <laughs> Daylight fair. saving does no good for anybody. Sorry, farming community. But no, it's, the rest it really of us are just upset. like shouldn't exist anymore. And like, what an example that time is a meaningless construct when we just literally change it. And you know what the worst thing is? Marissa's parents are convinced that their dog can tell time. You're throwing off her dog and her parents. <laughs> <laughs> who are convinced that her dog can tell time, even though it cannot. It's just a dog by throwing this wrench of daylight saving time into the mix. Okay, Sam, you are wrong. <laughs> Dogs also follow circadian rhythm. It is not a coincidence that Rascal asks for dinner at the same time. Every but he day. doesn't, though. But he does. No, he really doesn't. He I've been observing him really over does. the past you know, three months. And sometimes he happens to ask for dinner at 7.30. Sam, 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 sometimes Sam, he happens Sam, to ask Sam, for dinner Sam, earlier. Sam, 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 sometimes Sam, Sam, later. I'm ruining all of this for you. Sam, we are not slandering Rascal's intelligence on the podcast. We're just not. I will not go there. And even if he no. could tell time, that has nothing to do with intelligence. That's just habit. Stop it. All right. I'm just mad that I am losing an hour of sleep. I know, and you had to stay up for all three plus, three and a half plus hours of the Grammys. Make us do this at like midnight. (laughs) Tomorrow is going to be hard. (laughs) Yeah. You know what is also going to be hard? Talking about this episode of Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, which can I just say? Because I did not get it. (laughs) Can I just say, I was correct. You were like, no, you were like hard no. I wasn't hard no. The fact that this was an Ocean's Eleven parody, but it so was. It was a heist in a casino. This was 100% Ocean's Eleven. I mean, again, you could expect probably zero Lizzie McGuire viewers in 2002 to have watched Ocean's Eleven at that point. But uh, Ocean's Eleven, classic film. George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, just A-plus cast. I had literally just turned six when that movie came out. You know, I just never saw it. You know, movies that are predominantly male casts classics (laughs) um and predominantly white men at that just like simply do not interest me i'm sure that it is a great movie but 
Nothing ever made me think I needed to see it. So I didn't get it. I was just like, huh, okay, it's a heist. Huh, why is there so many gambling motifs in this in this children's show? Because it's Ocean's Eleven. But like, who is the audience for this episode then? Like well, the parents? The yeah, I guess it's like a, a, a wink to the parents who, who may or may not be watching. Yes, because I can guarantee you that no child who was watching this episode got it. Like, was this just, like, fun for the writers? Was this, like, we can we can appeal to the parents? So, I guess we're jumping in. Sorry, this is a little chaotic. I also had a margarita tonight. Definitely wore off by now, so I don't know why I felt the need to say that. You had, like, one margarita and then just a lot of margarita mix. No, the mix has the alcohol in it, Sam. Oh, the mix has the alcohol in it? I thought yeah. that was just a mixer. No. Oh, uh, okay. Why? Because you saw my mom just straight up pour the mixer in. Yeah, I thought you were just drinking straight up mixer. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had to have a cocktail before we record this casino-esque episode. Monte Carlo night, if you will. So today we are talking about Lizzie McGuire's season two, episode 21, Lizzie's Eleven, which, yes, I get it now. It is a... It is an homage to Ocean's Eleven. Which I told you. I could Which have told Sam you that. Told me. I feel like anybody could have told you that. Well, you know what? I get it now, and that is what matters. Um, in this episode, Lizzie's determined to get 11 of her pictures in the school's yearbook, although the editor is not so keen and takes them out. Spoiler alert the editor is Kate. And this episode aired on January 1st, 2003. Wow, a New Year's Day episode Year's of Day. Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, this episode, once again, uses a recycled theme, uh, which is today getting your picture in the yearbook, um, puts it in a new skin that is also borrowed from pop culture and tries to pass it off as something original and new. <laughs> and that's it we can <laughs> we can pack it up that's all you need to know yeah it was uh it was mildly entertaining i thought you know after the string of kind of bad episodes we've got over the past two or three weeks um no offense steven tyler but you know <laughs> you did your best but no one was asking for it i heard what you did for nobby righteous i feel like this was a much more valiant effort yeah i although, would say so although we did get this which, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you comment on this. Yo, 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 busting some Monster Jams. Okay, Lizzie as a DJ is one of the most offensive things <laughs> I think I have ever heard in my life. Yo, yo, yo. No, no, no. <laughs> and she wasn't, even she wasn't even busting any Monster Jams. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think she played one thing of music. It was literally just her talking over the loudspeaker. Yeah, it was really bad. It was a really bad job. Um, and wait, can I just point out one thing? I'm, I just, I'm curious. So this, there shows. So she's busting out this monster jam. Yo, yo, yo! Busting some monster jams. Is that just this monster jam? Coolio. Yes. <laughs> wait, play that again. <laughs> All right. So Lizzie's gonna bust a monster jam. Yo, yo, yo! Busting some monster jams. Coolio. It absolutely is. <laughs> is the monster jam she's busting coolioness? Coolioness. 
<laughs> oh my god, this is a connection that I'm only able to make because I've listened to him say coolioness so many times. That is it. Yeah, Lizzie McGuire, DJ, is not in your future. But yeah, so like you said, we have this recycled premise with the yearbook photos. They do acknowledge that Gordo already did this, but Gordo was like, eh, but that was just to see if I could do it. I didn't actually care. But like, we have the receipts. Yeah, Gordo, you definitely cared. And it's fine. I mean, Gordo does mention that, you know what, he's changed. Um, His priorities are a little bit different now, but... I feel like these past maybe 10 episodes, Gordo's changed so much. And it's not even like a consistent change. It's just flip-flopping back and forth. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, especially knowing that all of these episodes are just all out of order, right? So you don't really see a clear evolution of character <laughs> at all. But what ends up happening is they start to develop him more into a romantic possibility for Lizzie McGuire. Last episode was the first episode that we got without Miranda. So we are now going to enter our, uh, I guess, episodic, uh, is Miranda in this episode check? But I'm not going anywhere. Are you going to play that clip every week? Yes. And uh, (laughs) Miranda was not in this episode. She went somewhere and it was her aunt's house. Yes, that is And I want to start keeping track of where is Miranda, because I think the excuses vary. Yes. So excuse number one is she is visiting her aunt. Now, would Miranda Sanchez miss Monte Carlo night, a school function? All evidence would point to no. Yeah, I would also tend to lean on the no side of things. This definitely seems like an event that Miranda would attend uh, had she really not gone anywhere. Yeah, and and I don't know. I really feel Miranda's absence in these episodes. Um, I know that we have joked about how Miranda is an extension of Lizzie and is Miranda even real, but I would argue that her absence has kind of validated, at least for me, that Miranda rocks and like it doesn't feel the same without the trio. No, it definitely does not. Lizzie does not feel as motivated to do things. Um, I feel like they kind of, or the way that they were written anyways, they kind of fed off each other and then just convinced each other to go ahead with their bad ideas. Whereas now Lizzie just kind of, you know, it's like she's going through the motions. She just doesn't have her buddy there. Yeah, she's relying on her brother to... (laughs) I know, which is, okay, first of all, again... This is the second time now that Matt's just crashed a middle school party that he doesn't belong to and nobody seems to notice or care. But yeah, Lizzie is just missing this kind of energy. This... Move it! Like, she needs that energy. Yeah, I think... And I think Gordo might miss Miranda too. Oh, Gordo definitely misses Miranda. <laughs> this is why he's forced to, you know, try to make something work with Lizzie. Well, Lane, we miss you. Come back. All right, that's that's enough of that, though. Slow down there, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've missed the soundboard. Have you? I've been playing the soundboard. I feel like you haven't been pulling clips as regularly. I feel like there's a new wave of clips. These are all old clips. What do you mean? The only clip that I pulled from the episode today was... Yo, yo, yo! Bust oh. some <laughs> jams! No. 
<laughs> Nothing else was worthy of a clip. But uh, you know what we got today? We got the return of uh, your friend and mine, Clayton Snyder. Yes. <laughs> we don't know him. <laughs> but he knows us. Yes. And uh, I thought that Ethan Kraft had actually some funny lines in this episode, even though I didn't clip them. Yeah, there were great. There were some great Ethan moments. And I have really been missing Ethan. And he is just such a light. Like, you always know you're going to get something good when he's around. So I really did appreciate his presence. Happy to see it. All right. Um, I feel like we're hop- we're skipping around a little bit. We are. I mean, but in all fairness, I mean, once we get past the first five minutes, I would say the rest of the episode is just like one long scene at Monte Carlo night. Like there isn't the typical A story, B story structure that we're used to. Mm-hmm. everything just kind of everyone's together and everyone's working together in this heist but yeah let's let's do our let's do our beat by beat so we start at school and lizzie is like inexplicably dressed up like a mouse and crawling on the floor and i still don't really understand why she says it's for pep club initiation like is she being hazed yeah, it feels like it felt like it felt and looked like a hazing incident that you might see at a, at a college or a university. And uh, I didn't understand it either. I didn't really understand the whole premise. She wants to be in 11 photos, which I guess, you know, they want to make a connection between that and the title. But 11 just seems so arbitrary and specific. It does. Maybe last year Gordo was in 10 and she wanted to be in one more. I guess, but it's like. Why wouldn't you just aim to be in as many as you, I don't know, 11 is just so random to me, but sure. She, you know, crawls into Gordo, one could say, and expects him to kind of like mock what she's doing, but he's really upset about the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he comes in with a real hot uh, Arizona Diamondbacks take, and you know, he says they're overrated. I would beg to differ. They won the World Series in 2001. So for a World Series champion to be overrated, they they got the job done. So Gordo, I think I think you're 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 a little wrong there. Trying to be controversial, uh, controversial, but you know you got to roll that back a little bit. Yeah, I don't know anything about baseball, so that meant as much to me as you know the whole Ocean's Eleven parody did. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's right. Arizona, the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001 were really built on good pitching. Uh, they had uh, Randy Johnson. I'm pretty sure you would not know who that is. But one, pe- uh, one person they did have who I'm pretty sure you would know was uh, Mr. Bloody Sock him- himself, Kurt Schilling, was a member oh. of the early 2000s Diamondbacks. I know that guy. <laughs> My- I believe his picture is hanging up uh, on the wall <laughs> somewhere so. in this basement. Yes. Yeah, right above you. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox photos in this room. Oh, there's actually there's one behind you. All of my baseball knowledge is exclusively of the Red Sox when I was in elementary school. Of the 2004 yes. World Series Red Sox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is still the team in my brain. <laughs> You're, you got your, you know, you got your Johnny Damon. You got your Manny Ramirez. Uh, you got your Johnny Big Dam- Poppy. Johnny Damon, fun fact, just arrested DUI in uh, Florida, very nearby my parents' house. Is that fun? That just seems sad. Yeah. No, it's it's sad. So Kurt Schilling would have joined the Red Sox shortly after. That is correct, yes. Wow. The more you know, 
Um, so then we learn, you know, Lizzie's goal, the 11, and some of the other clubs that she has joined, which didn't really seem like clubs, more like events. Like there was an ice cream eating contest and a shot put competition and also a hula club because we love some cultural insensitivity on Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. And uh, Gordo's all like, who cares about being in the yearbook? Uh, talk about pointless. Like, bro, that's as a if, little bit of a hypocritical take. I know. It's like <laughs> as if we didn't just see you, what, 20 episodes ago doing the same thing. Oh, it was that this season? I guess it would have been the end of last season. Although it feels um, like this whole concept of taking pictures in the yearbook happens multiple times in a season. It, like, it has wasn't really... the first episode we watched picture day or up there among the first episodes that we watched? Correct, but that was school pictures. That yeah, was but like, school pictures end up in the yearbook. Yeah, that's but you your, take school pictures. That's pic- your one given picture. It's true, but you take those at the beginning of the year. I guess so. So that didn't feel weird. Right. But yeah, we have a lot of yearbook feelings. And I don't really think anybody actually cares about how many times they're in the yearbook, right? Like this isn't a real thing. It never was uh, in my experience. Although Gordo's uh, <laughs> Gordo's sentiment that the only thing that's going to happen with your yearbook is people are going to just right have a good summer and then you then you never look at it again. That really resonated with me. We probably talked about this on the podcast before uh, about how I just like legitimately cannot find my yeah senior I think we yearbook. Have, we have definitely mentioned that. Um, all right, so then Kate comes up and. She, it turns out, is editor of the yearbook. And here's the thing. For Lizzie, I feel like if she wants to be in as many pictures as possible, then maybe she should have tried to be editor of the yearbook. Like, that seems like the the quick way to go about it. Yeah, but Lizzie wouldn't think of that. Lizzie has no (laughs) goals or aspirations. You're so smart to figure that out, Lizzie. (laughs) (laughs) That simply did not occur to her. Um, And of course, it's Kate, right? Of course, we have to set up this like mean girl-esque conflict between Kate and Lizzie that just felt so like contrived. Nothing they were saying to each other at any point in this episode felt like real things that people would say to each other. It was just so bad. It was, uh, it's weird because, you know, sometimes they take the time to develop Kate, but then they'll just immediately go back and she'll just become this one-dimensional person again. And this time it's, you know, she she has this power and she's just kind of holding it over Lizzie's head. She's basically telling Lizzie that there's no way you are ever going to get into the yearbook uh, while I'm in charge. The only picture that we're going to use of you is this one where you're having an allergic reaction. Yeah, to oyster sauce, which why any school would be serving oyster sauces that is just questionable in and of itself kate's like you think you're gonna get into this yearbook (laughs) doubt it (laughs) yes and then we get what ends up being the setup for the episode which again is also extremely contrived and just doesn't quite make sense so tonight is monte carlo night and it's also the deadline to get the pictures from the yearbook to the printer. So to get, you know, all the pages are already, you know, laid out. It's time to get it to the printer. But it has to get to the printer by midnight. 
This made no sense. This, this made absolutely no sense. <laughs> you need to get your pictures to the printer by midnight? Like, what printer is open at midnight? Why can't it wait until 9 a.m. the next day? Because we need a deadline. Because a deadline creates stakes. Basic story structure, Sam. Duh. <laughs> is that basic story structure? All right. Well, you know, that's news to me. So then we cut to the theme song, and we're back, and we are at the setup for Monte Carlo night. Kate needs to get there to sort of scope out the scene and map out where her photo, her final photo for the yearbook, is going to be taken with Ethan. Ethan Craft, we love him, starts off with, I thought it was Monte Carlo night, so why are we here during the day? And then he is trying to recall the show Wheel of Fortune. And he's like, what's that show? You know, with the Wheel of Fortune. And Kate's like, it's Wheel of Fortune. And Ethan's like, yeah, I know that, but like, what is the show called? (laughs) Uh, Great to see him back. It's so weird that he wouldn't just be in the background in pretty much every episode. Like, I feel like now when people make a show... You'll see the same kind of people just recurring in the background. Some t- like they may not have a featured role in an episode, but they'll still be there. Yeah, and uh, that's just not the treatment that Ethan Craft gets here. So I'm very curious about that. Yeah, it's interesting because isn't that you know world building 101? Like it makes the world feel real when you have when you're seeing you know consistent faces and you got to get back on the cameo. Yeah. <laughs> Ask him these important questions. But yeah, Gordo is also there setting up. It's really unclear to me when it is, like, isn't this, if it's during the day, isn't it, shouldn't they be at school? Or is this a weekend event? Like, why isn't Lizzie also there? I don't know. A lot of things. I just had a lot of questions. So Kate's there with Ethan, and then she realizes that Gordo is eavesdropping on them. She tells Gordo to tell Lizzie uh, again, that she's not getting into the yearbook. And so Gordo calls Lizzie and uh, tells her that uh, she should forget about the yearbook. So that all went swimmingly well. Yeah. He's very like, it's just pictures. And what's important is that you had the experiences the pictures represent. And I don't think that Gordo knew just how much that quote would resonate 20 years later. Oh, you're talking about like Instagram? Just and- like social media culture <laughs> and what it's became, social media culture and what it has become. That that hit. We're all posting these perfectly curated depictions of our lives. And, I, you know, I have tried to be better at putting the phone away during experiences when, you know, when we had experiences in a past life. I was going to say, what experience have you had? Um, you know, <laughs> I was going to talk about concerts, but then get sad about concerts. So I digress. But just the idea of it's more important to be present in your experiences than have photographs to commemorate them. Mm -hmm. I think that that is very mature. That is definitely very mature. It's almost like you can just have the experience and not even worry about a picture and not have to take that picture many times in order to just get it just the way you like it yeah I I hear you I know what I know what you're saying I feel like you're very much a Gordo and I am more a Lizzie but yeah so 
Then we cut to the McGuire house and we learned that, of course, Lizzie's parents are also involved in Monte Carlo night and that they are attending as chaperones. Sam is going to be a greeter, a very overenthusiastic greeter at that. And Joe laments that she should be a blackjack dealer because apparently she put herself through grad school working on a riverboat and is a card shark. New information. Yeah, we just learned so much about Joe, it seems like, on a biweekly basis. Yeah, she's a card shark. She went to grad school for what? That is a great question. I don't know that we're ever going to find out. Yeah, but she is just going to be a waitress. And we get a lot of weird sexism in this episode surrounding Joe being a waitress. Yeah, a lot of like children making weird degrading comments. Yeah. (laughs) Very strange. Very weird. Then Lizzie needs to talk to Matt because Miranda is out of town visiting her aunt. And Matt tells Lizzie to, quote, stop pussyfooting around because he knows it's a Kate problem. And he just let, let's cut to the chase. What's your plan? Short grift or long con? And he's down to, you know, scheme, but he has conditions. Yeah. Uh, $35 for his Christmas present minimum. And she has to do his chores for a month. Lizzie's like, I'm not doing that. And she just gives Matt a wedgie and he complies. You know, that was actually very, very clever. (laughs) (laughs) I have never seen a wedgie in real life. Either Um, someone get a wedgie. I've never received a wedgie. I don't think that I have either. It's kind of like how I've never seen a swirly in real life. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure that has been the misfortune of somebody, but I just have never had that, you know, I've never witnessed that. And then we just kind of jump right into the plan. And the rest of the episode is at Monte Carlo night. Yeah, no time to waste. Yeah, we need another, you know, co-conspirer. So we get Melina involved. And yeah. everybody has a role to play. And they all they all nail it. Yeah, it's uh, Shades of the Last Plan at a school dance they had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, El- was El- that uh, El Oro? De Mon- no, that no, was uh, El Dio de los Muertos. El Dio de los Muertos, correct, yes. Yeah, 2.0, Sans Miranda, rude. Very rude, because I feel like Miranda was pivotal to the Dia de los Muertos plan, although that plan was really just to humiliate Kate. This plan at least had <laughs> more, <laughs> more of like a focus and a goal that was, you know, not just terrorizing a person. Yeah, this was more like, let's fulfill Lizzie's narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. I don't know. I just wrote a lot of random notes because it's really just like you're now following the characters through their scheme. Yeah. So, you know, Lizzie and Melina signaling each other across the room. Lizzie is at her DJ podium, uh, as we've mentioned. Yo, 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 busting some monster gems. And then Melina is going to bring Matt into the school through the ceiling, and then Operation Lizzie's Eleven is underway. Yeah, he's really all rigged up. He is. He's just always wanted to enter a school like that. Yeah, then we see Sam McGuire, the greeter, who is just too much. Like, if some random dad was that friendly to me at a middle school event, I would also be weirded out. Yeah, he's (laughs) taking Polaroids with these children. (laughs) 
at least he's giving it back to them, I guess. Like, it would be weirder, I guess, if he kept, <laughs> if he them. kept them. So, <laughs> but yeah, no one asked for this. Yeah. And Joe did not ask to be called Dollface by a 12-year-old. Yeah, no, that was that was a little weird. Love um, to see just children's shows perpetuating this weird culture. Um, then we get a glimpse of Ethan and Kate. Ethan doesn't get why 22 doesn't beat 21. I personally don't get why. <laughs> it's just interesting to me that this show is actively showing children gambling. We had events like this in my middle school. Really? Um, we did not. Yeah, they would like give us, but they would, yeah, they would give us like tokens, you know, at the beginning of the night. And then we would go and there was like usually a, a roulette wheel. There might have been some kind of poker. Actually, it was more likely blackjack than poker. Um, you never spent any real money. There was always just like a prize for whoever could amass the most tokens. So actually, the way to win was usually to just create a separate sort of uh, financial system separate from the casino events and just pool <laughs> your money with other people or rather your tokens with other people's tokens. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. But it does instill and, like, perpetuate a culture of gambling. I mean, every day is a gamble. You go into the grocery store, that's a gamble. So this is just preparing you for life. Okay. <laughs> and then is this the part where Lizzie and Gordo stage a fight? Yes, it is. And it's always weird because they're going to stage this fight so that, you know, Kate will believe that they're they're not friends anymore and... Gordo's going to leave his chips and Kate's going to be like, I'm going to take these chips now. And then Cartoon Lizzie. I never understand what Cartoon Lizzie's role in these I sort know. of schemes are because Cartoon Lizzie makes it seem like that was an, an organic fight. But we as the audience know that it was all manufactured and it was a fake fight. So why is Cartoon Lizzie convinced that this was a real thing? It doesn't make any sense. No, it does not make any sense at all. And we see this happen over and over again, right? Where Cartoon Lizzie is supposed to be, I, I want to say, a source of truth. Truth with a grain of salt. Like, she's supposed to be Lizzie's inner voice. And Lizzie knows that this is not a real fight. So then why is Cartoon Lizzie acting like it is? It doesn't match. Yeah, get out of here, Cartoon Lizzie. Stop trying to trick your audience. We see right through you. Yeah. Yeah. Mercer was already tricked. She didn't even know this was an Ocean's <laughs> Eleven parody. She doesn't need more trickery. It wasn't a trick. I've just never seen this worse <laughs> material. Um, but yeah, so they stage a fight and Kate, you know, eats it right up. She's like, I didn't mean for this yearbook thing to break up such a great friendship. This is such a bonus. Gordo kind of throws his chips on the ground in a moment of angst and Kate picks them up. Just like Lizzie knew she would, by the way, because they can predict how Kate is going to react to things. I mean, again, shades of uh, Dia de los Muertos. Yes. And while that is happening, Melina switches out Kate's purse with an identical duplicate so that they can get the key to the yearbook room. Yeah. So then she takes the bag out into the hall and she goes through it with Matt Real underreported story, Kate's been stashing a dog in her bag, and then Melina and Matt just let that dog go. That dog <laughs> is gone. <laughs> I don't even think I noticed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's a There was a dog. There is no longer a dog. I thought it was funny that Matt thinks an eyelash curler is a torture device. 
Kate's purse is really just the Mary Poppins bag. Yeah, there's a, they're pulling a ton of stuff out of this bag, <laughs> and then they finally, finally get is this? I guess it's a flash drive. It's a key. It's not a flash drive. It's the key to the room to the yearbook room, and it's a CD. It's a compact disc. Right, 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 right. I thought it was hilarious that um, Kate has a keychain with her own face on it. And the password to uh, her computer is beautiful Kate. You know, I appreciate the confidence. I wish I had that much (laughs) (laughs) confidence when I was in middle school. So, yeah, they they find what they need. And then Gordo's, or Matt's job is to hand this off to Gordo. And so... They make him yodel. Yeah, so then there's a sound of music reference, and uh, they force Gordo to yodel in order to complete the mission. Yeah, it's the counter signal. And so now Gordo has to basically create a, uh, or rather upload Lizzie's version of the CD. I'm really confused, actually. I'm a little confused by this, actually. So there's two CDs. There's Kate's CD and Lizzie's CD, and... Are the pictures on the computer? Yeah, now I'm a little confused (laughs) at the logistics of this because, and I'm thinking about that, you know, that ending moment with Joe McGuire that we will get to and how she saves the day. But why were there ever two CDs? Did Gordo just burn a second CD? I think that's what happened because we see Gordo putting, like dragging the photos of Lizzie into the different templates Okay, so Kate has a CD, so there's Kate's version of the yearbook, and then Gordo has a blank CD, and he also has Lizzie's pictures that she wants on the yearbook. And all the pictures live on the computer, or they're just on Kate's CD. So he has to take Kate's CD, copy the pictures of the yearbook that they want to keep onto the new CD, plus Lizzie's pictures? Yes. Onto the new Lizzie version of the CD. Yes. And then there are two CDs. A lot of work. A little bit. And so that's basically what's occupying Gordo tonight. This is how yes. he's choosing to spend Monte Carlo night. Yes. So then we're back at the dance. And let's talk about Ethan's dancing. Because I feel like that's also an underreported story. He he feels the music deeply. Yeah, some suave moves. Suave. <laughs> Kate reiterates that she needs to get this picture to the printer by midnight. By this picture, I mean that it is now time for her photo shoot because she wants to get a picture of her and Ethan at Monte Carlo night in the yearbook. And Larry is apparently the photographer. Larry actually seems to know quite a bit about photography. Here he is talking about, uh, you know, shutter speeds, different effects. No, Larry seems to know what he's doing. And Matt is going to mess up every one of his shots. Well, Matt has to buy time so that Gordo can complete his side of the mission. Because as soon as Kate gets this picture, she's going to look for her bag and realize that her bag has been swapped out for a a fake bag. Absolutely. And Kate gets so frustrated that she is just going to take the picture herself. But she's going to find out that they switched the purse. So Lizzie has got to get the purse back to Kate before she realizes the switch happened. So then we get this wild sequence of Lizzie... And her her gymnastic skills really come into play. It's extremely coordinated for her. Backflips galore. And she switches the purses in time. Yeah, just made it. Just made it. But nobody saw anything. She was feeling so cool and like proud of herself in that moment too. 
She was like, did you just see what I did? And Matt was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not impressed. Yeah. And before Lizzie, you know, leaves her post at the DJ booth, she leaves her mic on. So when she gets back, she kind of blows up her spot. Yeah. So this part of the plan, um, why is it necessary? I don't know. And they try to they try to justify it at the end, but I still don't really understand. Like, why can't they just let Kate go and add the picture? And uh, I guess they just want to fluster Kate so much that she will just add it and not look at the other things on the CD. Is that is that what's happening? Yeah, maybe maybe they just want to assume they assume that if Kate just goes and looks normally, then she'll double check all of her work and realize that this is not the CD that she originally had. Yeah. And maybe they just want to push it as close to that midnight deadline as possible. Yeah. So she's running out of time. Okay. so Kate being Kate runs to Joe McGuire to get the mom involved and Joe marches up and is like, Lizzie. I'm surprised she didn't do her whole, like, Elizabeth, what is it, Elizabeth Brooke? Elizabeth Brooke McGuire. That tone has grounded written all (laughs) over it. So that was very much the vibe of Joe in this moment. She wants to know what's going on, and she wants to know now. At this point, Melina is just kind of like, peace, I'm out. I did my job, bye. And I respect that. Kate gets her photo onto the CD. Everything works out, but guess what? Surprise. Were you surprised? It really wasn't a surprise. I was not at all surprised. Joe McGuire was also in on it, and she did get to use her blackjack skills to switch out the CDs at the last second. So Lizzie will be getting her 11 photos in the yearbook. Yeah, some... uh... Real sleight of hand there. I don't even know that that's blackjack necessarily and not just pure magic. Yeah, and then we kind of run back through the course of the night. We see how the full plan kind of came together. Yeah, that's it. We didn't even play any clips. Did you miss it? Did you need (laughs) one real bad? You don't want to play Lizzie's Goodbye. Oh, geez. Trebian, mes That's okay, everybody, in French. Monte Carlo night is almost over. So, one more song and it's au revoir. That's French for we're outie. Well, however you say it, you got your pictures in the yearbook. Yeah, but you know what the best part was? Was all of us doing it together. I mean, coming up with a plan and each of us doing our own thing. That was really cool. It's true. I mean, pictures fade and they get torn and stuff spills on them. And your haircut looks really dorky. But memories last forever. (laughs) So is that supposed to be the moral of the episode? The moral of the episode is they made this great memory without Miranda. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to find ways to integrate au revoir. That's French for we're outie into my (laughs) vernacular. (laughs) Just for you, Sam. Oh, trust me. That is not something that I have ever or will ever ask for. Like, is that just, like, the point of the episode? Uh, Yeah, the point of the episode is Gordo was right, I guess. Yeah, and I love how Lizzie was like, yeah, it was so cool how everybody came together to do this thing for me. That really had nothing to do with any of you. I love how I did this event with my friend Gordo and my parents, who I sometimes like, and my brother, who I mostly hate. 
I just gave him a wedgie, so I kind of forced him to do this. Yeah. And Melina, who's just here randomly, I'm glad that we all did this together. together. Yeah. And that is Lizzie's 11. What a weird episode to recap. It is what it is. It is you know, what it, is. it really feels like we're, we're, we're getting down to the final 10 episodes of the season. And 30 episodes is just a long season. It sounds like they're really just scraping the bottom of the barrel here a little bit. They're like, how can we stretch this out <laughs> for another 10 episodes? It's crazy because now, you know, shows will, will routinely have maybe like 13 episodes in a season. Yeah, even Disney Channel shows now. That's pretty, it's pretty standard. Well, I guess we should talk about some outfits, right? That's what we do here. Yes, we can. And Lizzie's mouse outfit doesn't really make sense. Like, is it just one ear? Like, what? <laughs> what's going on on this headband? You have the rights to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you using this weird Chuck E. Cheese thing? <laughs> I know those mouse ears have nothing on Karen's. <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks more like a rat. Is Gordo wearing a clown shirt? I think so. <laughs> Awful. Love, love some clowns. Yeah, everybody's pretty underwhelmingly dressed. Matt has some really stretchy underwear. That's like yeah. a, it's a very serious wedgie. That's like a hospital-grade wedgie. Right it really there. is a lot. Let's see, Monte Carlo night. Uh, Sam and Joe actually get a little bit dressed up for this event. They do. Interesting. Melina looks like a proper spy. I mean, yeah, Melina not sketchy at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what does not belong in Monte Carlo night? I don't know. How about this <laughs> this girl dressed up like Black Widow? Like, <laughs> maybe her. Just gonna venture a guess. Uh, Lizzie as DJ looks more like um, Jennifer Lopez in The Wedding Planner. Like, yeah, she's ready for work. Yeah, like this is not a DJ outfit. She's in a f- blazer. <laughs> Where's a, where's a blazer to DJ? She looks like a, a hostess at a fancy restaurant. She does. Super random. Do you like Sam McGuire's ruffles? No. Move on. <laughs> That's all I have Just to say. Just a quick no. And the bow tie? It's all a no for you? I mean, people look like they generally dressed up. Like, Kate's dress is a little bit fancier for Monte Carlo night. Gordo did not even try to blend in either. Gordo dressed down for Monte Carlo he night. <laughs> um, although he took the clown he took the clown shirt off, so I guess that's something. <laughs> it, it, it was totally lost on me until this moment that Ethan Kraft is wearing a t-shirt with like a tux a tuxedo t-shirt tuxedo yeah. t-shirt yeah he came tuxedo he came full tuxedo t-shirt ready i love that for him it's a great look that's ethan graft although this tuxedo t-shirt i can i just say a little subpar like it's a picture of a tuxedo t-shirt on a t-shirt <laughs> it's not like the actual t-shirt is the tuxedo t-shirt like why is that yeah it's a little weird it got it's it just got very meta in in here but yeah it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and you know that's really it as far as outfits go i want to say yeah well this entire episode was pretty much one event so not a lot of changes which i'm fine with i mean i'm ready to wrap this up and call it a night that's true you i am tired yeah you're you're crashing pretty hard over there really you had that, you had all that margarita mix <laughs> And it's it's getting to you. Oh my god! Are are you really? Are you sure that you don't want to talk more about Sam's bow tie? 
You clearly do. I mean, this is very impressive. He has a bow tie, and the design is just cards. Like, how apropos. And he has a name tag for himself. I was going to say that name tag is more impressive. The fact that he has a name tag? Yeah, that looks, you know, just kind of embossed. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's MVP and call it, call it a night. All right, Marissa, who is your MVP today? It's got to be Matt McGuire. Oh, you're giving it to Matt McGuire. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he is the, he is the brains behind the operation. That's your, (laughs) that's the whole, that's the whole analysis. What else is there to say? Uh, I don't know. I'm actually not going to give mine to Matt McGuire in this episode. I actually have a different uh, person in mind. And I think that that is going to be Joe McGuire. I'm going to give mine to Joe McGuire today. I respect that. And I think it really is between Matt and Joe, right? Because... Although you could also give it to Melina. True. But Matt is the brains. Like, he contrived the plan. And then Joe really just stuck the landing. Yeah, I think... Joe is what, I think after we talked it through, Joe is really what makes this plan work because, you know, she she obviously had to be in on it. She endured this abuse, this verbal abuse from all of these 12-year-olds all night, and then she still found the mental strength and fortitude to carry on with this <laughs> stupid plan just for the sake of, like, humoring her daughter, who is clearly a narcissist. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Joe, you really stuck... You really stuck with it there, and and respect uh, and props to you for that. And, you know, at the end of the day, putting yourself through grad school, just working on a riverboat, is <laughs> not a, not an easy feat. Although, I'm not even sure, is uh, Walla Walla, Washington even near a body of water? And, like, really, when you think about it, this episode showed how truly petty Joe McGuire can be. Because, really, the lesson should have been... Lizzie, a yearbook doesn't define your worth, right? Like how many times you're in a yearbook does not equate to your value. But Joe is like, no, Lizzie, we are going to get you in this yearbook. Scarrow Kate. Yeah, that's always Joe's MO. You know, she's always there for them. Yeah. To varying degrees of uh, (laughs) success or willingness for that attitude. Yeah. I think these are complimentary MVPs. I'm happy with it. Okay, cool. Cool. So, yeah, I believe that that is a wrap on Lizzie McGuire Season 2, Episode 21, Lizzie's 11. As always, you can follow us at OutfitRepeatPod on Twitter and email us at OutfitRepeatersPodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we're always looking for more, uh, you know, things that we can look into about the show projects that uh, you the listeners may have been working on so you know if you're like Ashley and you have uh, a game that you've been working on that you want to flag to us and have us check out definitely let us know and we'll do that in the meantime you can check out all of our episodes at our website www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters or on any platform where podcasts are available and coming up here at paginated media on Thursday Ivan uh, Vukovic, Carlin Greenwald, and I will be talking about the season one finale of The Crown. We've made it to the end of season one. Um, So had a lot of fun doing that. And next Tuesday, we'll be back here with another episode of The Outfit Repeaters. 
Yes, stay tuned for next week when we discuss season two, episode 22, Dear Lizzie. Oh, Dear Lizzie. Well, how interesting. All about the feelings. Yeah. Will Miranda be there? I can neither confirm nor deny. Just have to wait and see. Wouldn't that ruin the surprise? Aren't you just on the edge of your seat? No. <laughs> Find Miranda. Find Miranda.